0: Eat eat the rich Neolibs are a bitch Medicare for all Your bros can suck my balls Fuck your reply guys Please don't fuck your reply guys Just listen to reply guys Hello and welcome back to Reply Guys,
1: the leftist feminist comedy podcast for the rest of us.
0: So, this week someone asked me what the Reply Guys listeners are called. Uh, I have a suggestion. Yeah. I don't know. I think the Reply Guys reply guys. (laughs)
1: yeah wouldn't it just be reply i mean we've always said this that reply guy is a gender neutral term it's it's all encompassing yeah anybody can be a reply guy
0: yeah anybody can be a reply guy but is it too confusing if our listeners are just the reply guys because we're the reply guys (laughs) so we have the reply gals i don't
1: know i don't know what the answer to that is yeah (laughs) yeah Um, so we just wanted to do a little update of one of our former reply guys of the week. Uh, Brett still the reply guy of the week, <laughs> still the reply guy of the week. Uh, the New York times op-ed columnist, Brett Stevens. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh. What a week. What a bed bug.
1: <laughs> so if you missed this, if you were lucky enough to not be on um, someone on Twitter made a very mild joke comparing <laughs> calling brett stevens a bed bug a
0: metaphorical bed bug. a metaphorical bed bug not a literal bed bug um because he's such a nuisance and you can't get rid of him that was the point that yes. this guy professor dave carp
1: it's something like that yeah um and meanwhile brett stevens loses his mind um <laughs> dave carp dave carp very difficult name uh But very cool man. But very cool man said um, last week, this afternoon, I tweeted a brief... A brief joke about a well-known New York Times op-ed columnist. It got nine likes and zero retweets. I did not at him. He does not follow me. He just which means he was just
0: searching for his own name on Twitter. Which
1: so many people do. So many like he's not Brett Stevens. Not famous, but so many famous people do that too. And it's just stop. And and so Dave said uh, he just emailed me, CCing my university provost. He is deeply offended that I called him a metaphorical bedbug. <laughs> and yeah i mean and then brett stevens obviously took to the new york times op-ed page
0: no before that he went on a bunch of cable news and compared what was going on to uh the way that
1: joseph goebbels uh compared jewish people to uh, insects and vermin. Yeah. Um. And I've said this both. Bef- I've, I've said this, but um. Brett Stevens has been waiting his whole life to uh for someone to say something mildly insulting about him, so that he can p- compare it to the Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> he is so. I. I. I mean, yeah. And he wrote a New York Times op-ed, of course, about it. About how it's. Mm, about how this this guy who called him a metaphorical bedbug is. Essentially, Joseph Kerples, <laughs> and um yeah, there's what what more can we say about Brett Stevens? You can
0: say that the President of the United States called him a bedbug. is that true? Yeah, Trump tweeted a made-up radical left story about Doral bedbugs, but Brett Stevens is loaded up with them, been calling me wrong for years, along with a few remaining never trumpers, all losers yeah and then he retweeted the washington post article about a professor calling bet stevens a bed bug so <laughs> this
1: kate kate you probably agree with this um if anybody on the internet called us a bed bug it would be one of the nicest things that someone
0: <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: like, ever said. do
0: they mean i'm small and cute
1: <laughs> <laughs> truly get a life brett stevens yeah. Get some real problems. Yeah.
0: Megan McCain was like, I, every day I get called something worse than that. Megan McCain is horrible. Yeah. But that was like the one good point that she's ever made. She's one of the worst people alive.
1: She's really not
0: good. Yeah. But, uh, it was, uh, it was truly incredible to see (laughs) how much of a little baby this guy was. It's just like female comics get (laughs) rape and death threats so much, you know, it's just like every, every time. Yeah. Like what our friend went through when she uh, made fun of XXX Tentacion yeah. was a million times worse than this. Yeah. And she doesn't have an op ed page. Yeah.
1: It's like Brett Stevens writes 1,000 op eds in the most famous newspaper in America
0: that are like, I'm being silenced. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's such a grift. It's such a grift. There's like, uh, yeah, Tucker Carlson does that too. There's this whole right wing thing where people, uh, right wing people love to talk about how their opinions are being silenced and you're like, well, then how come I can hear you? You're talking to me about this on a platform, which the college kids that you're supposedly so upset about don't have, you know, like, how are you being silenced? I
1: love that. I love that. They're still mad at college kids. Well, Kate, what else is going on this week?
0: So, uh, I did a, I conducted a, an experiment in my personal life. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, always a good start.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you could really just say that about most of my life so far, (laughs) conducting an experiment in my personal life. But, uh, I posted, uh, online, I posted an application to get to know me. Um, and this was for all different kinds of connections, new friends, uh, make out friends okay. dates yeah and so i i got some replies um some of my reply guys replied uh, the questions were like, would you forgive me if I wrote a joke about you? Who are you voting for in the Democratic primary? Um, are you feminist? Uh, do you take mushrooms? You know, that kind of stuff. The things that are really important. The to essentials me, for you. Someone, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I got some replies, uh, <laughs> mostly from people who don't live in New York. Um, okay. But a few people who do live in New York. Um, I'm going to hang out with a couple new people. Uh, there's one listener of the show that is like, we're going to meet up next weekend and see if we hit it off in real life i don't know okay i don't know this is a an an experiment and we'll we'll see what happens i will report back but uh (laughs) stay safe out there (laughs) i'll be fine we're gonna meet up in a a public Public place place. um there there will be another episode of this podcast so (laughs) yeah but i don't know i mean obviously this was a joke to some extent um you know just kind of leaning I don't want to say leaning in because the term is so loaded now leaning into my personal brand of loneliness.
1: Yeah. The <laughs> Cheryl Sandberg of loneliness. I
0: am the Cheryl Sandberg of loneliness. <laughs> I'm not really that lonely. I have a lot of friends, but it's like uh I don't know, I just You know, it's a it's a very weird thing when you're like kind of trying to figure out uh how do i meet new people and you don't want to use dating apps really because they're horrible and they're like the most kind of like commodified capitalist way of interacting with people it sucks it sucks it's like am i a consumer product
1: yeah i it it sucks because it also feels like all the dating apps have like a monopoly on meeting besides serendipitously meeting someone in real life. They're kind of the only game in town. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see if this survey leads to any meaningful connections.
1: (laughs) What were your findings from the survey?
0: Okay. So I did have some weird findings from the survey. Um, I would say that most people who are interested in connecting with me in any way are into psychedelics.
1: Okay, not well, surprising. You know, that's a-,
0: a lot of Elizabeth Warren fans, which even though I am an Elizabeth Warren fan, but even though I I personally like am, I'm I'm more on the side of uh standing Bernie, mm-hmm. but it's kind of not surprising to me that many people who like me are very into Elizabeth Warren just because I feel like a lot of Elizabeth Warren fans are just they want to support women, which is good, <laughs> which is good. You know, yeah, I am um, a woman. Elizabeth Warren is a woman. So Why are we both women? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, really. The similarity against there. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be flattering myself to take it any further than that. But, you know. <laughs> 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 um, other interesting findings. Also, uh, I
1: love an Elizabeth Warren fan who's really into psychedelics. That's that to me is a very because like Elizabeth Warren's uh v- votership has been characterized as kind of like uh, educated white collar folks. So,
0: but a lot of those people do psychedelics.
1: You're right, but yeah, it's no, that. That's that's like that's more of a West Coast phenomenon. That I'm less. Aware that I'm less familiar with Uh,
0: We have a really great show For you this week we're having a special Labor Day episode with Our wonderful friend Kath Barbadoro She's really great we talk about All kinds of things the Some of the strikes that have happened recently. We talk about labor issues in the wrestling community.
1: We talk about wrestling, which I was not expecting, but it's here.
0: (laughs) It was a really fun conversation. We think you'll enjoy it. Uh, But also, we have
1: have our first ever live show coming up at Union Hall on September 15th at 8 p.m.,
0: and we have Ted Alexandro and Joe Firestone and Hari Kondabula. Are you guests.
1: kidding me? That's
0: a really insane lineup. Insane I, lineup. I kind of... An iconic lineup. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a little intimidated myself about how great that lineup is. It's I'm just going to say, it, I'm wild. very nervous. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. No, I think they're all be really so good smart job. and funny. Yeah, and we'll be talking. Can you Can you think of
1: any other show where you get to see them all in one place? Get out of my life. So if you're in... Um, if you are in the greater New York city area, we would love for you to come out and, uh, see the show and tell your friends. Yeah. Tell your friends. Uh, the tickets are available on union halls website and we'll be constantly linking to them. Um, but yeah, we are so excited. Kath rocks. So thanks for listening. Thank you so much. Welcome back to the show today. We are joined by the host of two great podcasts what a time to be alive and lie cheat and steal it's kath Barbadora. hi guys Uh, one of
0: my favorite twitter follows oh a great
1: twitter follow thank you we appreciate it um (laughs) it's two women who are deeply online um so we usually release on wednesday but today is um we're recording on monday and it is the first monday in september which means it's labor day folks happy labor day happy labor day everybody Um, wow this is
0: like our thanksgiving it is our
1: thanksgiving (laughs) (laughs) i love it so much um i was doing research for this episode i already said this a few times but i was doing research for this episode i cried multiple times last night (laughs) reading about labor strikes because i'm uh doing great emotionally (laughs) um so yeah, this is the 125th Labor Day today everybody. Uh it was it became a holiday and it was signed uh into into being by Grover Cleveland, uh our our only president who served two non-consecutive terms. He was the 22nd and 24th president also one of our one of our thickest presidents (laughs) Mm, definitely up there a thick boy not not quite William Howard Taft but he was thick
2: um I feel so bad for him because like (laughs) he is only known as the fat president (laughs) which is like crazy because like I I think Trump is fatter than him ah baby like I I think it was more just that like he was more standard deviations away from (laughs) like the average person's weight Back then Yeah But like I think Trump is fatter than him
0: I mean but also Do we know What he looked like really Or is it just some sort of Little pencil (laughs) drawing By someone who No we have photos of him I love I also, I mean, none I'm not of, really clear on what photos were. It, there none, are photos, none, yeah. but also, th-
2: I I have the same problem where like it's really confusing to me that there, where it's like, why do we have a photo of that person? I thought they lived like too
1: long ago. But also, there's that whole story about how they got stuck in a bathtub. I was just gonna say that an incredible story. Um, <laughs> so basically, uh, Labor Day came into being on June 28th, 1894, and there were actually a bunch of big uh labor strikes preceding that there was a labor day celebration in 1892 here in New York City where 10,000 workers marched for labor rights and but there were like a bunch of these riots and the Pullman strike happened and 13 people died so basically Grover Cleveland pushed this through as a way to like pacify laborers who were very mad um justifiably so
0: dude Do, it's good that ben shapiro wasn't around he would have been going off
1: <laughs> ben shapiro would be blogging so hard
2: uh is there um did you have any info And i'm half remembering this so i'm probably wrong but like isn't aren't we like isn't there like a specific reason they were like we can't have it be May Day because that's too communist. I I, I don't know. I think that is true. Because like every other country, their Labor Day is May Day.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. May Day is the, the international workers... Right day and Labor Day is just specific to here in the U. S. Did
0: it used to be on May Day? I think it did. Right? No. I
2: think it was like before. It, it was. I don't think it was ever an officially recognized holiday on May Day. Uh, I but it, I so. think when they were deciding when Labor Day was, they were like, yeah. we can't. We have to do something
1: separate. Yeah, this can't. is too much. This will uplift the workers. Too much. We have them uh,
0: partying <laughs> with the communists so abroad.
1: We we love unions here on here on Reply Guys, and um, unions have given us so much in this uh in this country and they're they're really having a moment right now as well but unions have given us weekends they gave us an end to child labor paid vacation and sick leave employer financed health care um which hopefully we won't need soon uh <laughs> fair wages and the 40 hour work week which, I mean, RIP the 40-hour work week. But Tim
0: Ferriss gave us the five-hour work week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what a hero.
0: Yeah, so um, we will stand him next I week. I feel like 40-hour
2: work week was like,
0: I feel like that was supposed
2: to be a jumping off point, and yeah. then we just sort of stopped. Yeah. And we're like, nope, this is the perfect oh, cool. number of
1: hours. To yeah, work. it's it's because it was like people were working twelve hour days, six, right. six days a week or longer, or longer. Yeah, yeah. it was a dramatic improvement or that I think were, was supposed they to improve.
0: Put them more. in a factory and locked the doors, right? Which is you know, whenever
1: very much the Jeff Bezos model of things. Um, <laughs> uh, Jeff Bezos pioneer of um, employees urinating in water bottles. Um, but. As I was saying, like unions are really are really going for it in the past. I mean, there's been a huge uptick in um, public support for unions. Gallup released a poll um, that. Uh, of Americans approve of labor unions, um, which is close to a 50-year high. Wow, that's great. Um, And it's just so cool. Uh, Democrats, independents, and Republicans are all more likely to view unions positively now than they were uh, at the low point a decade ago. Um, So since 2009, union approval has increased among each party by 16 or 17 points, which is absolutely huge. Um, Democrats remain... Uh, far more likely than Republicans to approve of unions, no surprise there. 82% of Democrats versus 45% of Republicans.
0: And the Barstool sports guy <laughs> does not approve.
1: Dave Portnoy. Yeah, Dave Portnoy. How could I forget? Uh, you know, our, our former reply guy of the week, gone but not forgotten. <laughs> yeah. um,
0: Hope you're out there relaxing everybody. Um, time to calm down.
1: <laughs> drinking, what did he say in one of his tweets? I'm drinking Sancerre in my house at Nantucket. I'm like, okay, well he's like the Can't wait to tax the shit out of you. <laughs> he's
2: like the the grand scale version of those people that tweet, like, just bought my first house with my boyfriend. What have you done? Yeah. Like
1: he's like the <laughs> like extreme version of that. Yeah. Um, so we want to talk about some of the strikes that have happened over the past uh the past few years because it's been um we're seeing more and more, we're seeing more workplaces unionized, particularly in our sphere, um, writers uh freelancers the the ringer just unionized buzzfeed unionized a big thing that's been propelling all of this um has been uh teachers unions and um i i love teachers i get very emotional about teachers um but
0: some of the hottest out there some of the hottest mm, out there very true very
1: true uh, send your hot teacher picks to us <laughs> um so in 2018, saw 20 major strikes and lockouts, and that was the highest number since 2007. Um, and 485 thousand employees were involved in these work stoppages in 2018, which is the highest number since 1986. That's amazing. It's. Absolutely incredible. So,
0: why? What are some of the reasons that they're striking?
1: Okay, so we had big teacher strikes in West Virginia, Arizona, and Oklahoma in 2018.
0: And there was just one in LA as well. There,
1: there was, and there was one in Oakland. And we're going to get to those in 2019 as well. But it's the ones last year. And, you know, the through line between all of these strikes is usually per pupil spending has been cut. Salaries have stagnated for years and are very low. West Virginia had the lowest salaries um, of any teachers in the United States. And also, almost all of them, the through line, was that their employers wanted their out-of-pocket expenses for their premiums to increase. So that would result in their paychecks being even smaller. Like, it's so if
2: you're fucked up. if yeah. you're on uh like Twitter just around this time of year, um i I feel like I see more of them every year, but there's always Amazon wish lists going Absolutely. around for, for teachers who are just like, I need school supplies for my
1: classroom mm-hmm. and my district isn't covering it. So yeah, there were these huge teacher strikes last year and this year, and it started the hashtag on social media, red for ed. Um, a lot of, you saw like a lot of celebrities kind of supporting them. A lot of the the people running for president, you know, I, th- I didn't think anything of like busy Phillips before. And then they <laughs> like on, um, when she had her show, she like came out dressed in all red and she was like, I'm a union bitch. And I was like, hell yeah. Person <laughs> who I had no feelings about before.
0: That's kind of cool. Yeah. It yeah. It awesome.
1: Um, so the West Virginia teacher strike was the f- kind of the first one that happened in February of last year. And again, West Virginia teachers hadn't gotten a raise since 2014, and per-pupil per spending was 11.4% lower than it was before the 2008 recession. Fucked up. Fucked up. So West Virginia just kept cutting spending and kept not raising its teachers' salaries. And their strike ended on March seventh, 2018, after the governor uh, agreed to give teachers a 5% raise pitiful and
0: And it's like five percent of not very much forty
1: four thousand dollars which is how much again the lowest teacher salaries in the country teachers already not known for making the big bucks um and a hold on increasing health insurance premiums.
0: It's almost like teachers' salaries were decided by just asking the kids in the class, "Okay, yeah. what do you what do you think a lot of money is?" Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know, uh, $100. Yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, interestingly, they actually went on strike again in February of this year to kill a bill that would allocate state education money meant for public schools to the creation of charter schools. Fuck that shit. Fuck that shit. Yeah. Um, but that inspired... So West Virginia was, you know, I think we all remember it. It was like a huge news story. And then it inspired Arizona, uh, the Arizona teacher strike. And that was a statewide strike. The largest strike of last year. 81,000 teachers and school staff went on strike for six days. Um, yeah, nearly all of the states, 2,000 public schools closed during the walkout uh which rules yeah that's and, awesome but again it's the same thing like west virginia a lot of the conditions that teachers there found themselves in were cuts to public school funding as a result but also republican tax cuts In the, like so more money was going into the pockets of wealthy people who lived in the state and less money was going into Public school School
0: supplies.
1: Yeah. Teacher and salaries. Teacher salaries.
0: And um, every time one of these strikes happens, like, it's really interesting to see how I think the discourse around it has changed. Totally. Like, I remember, I think there was a teacher strike when I was a little kid. And I definitely remember. I mean, like, I wasn't, you know, my family wasn't, like, woke or something like <laughs> that. But I remember that... You know, the way that people were talking about it was like, oh, it sucks that this is happening. I can't believe they're doing this. But at least on the L.A. teacher strike recently, like I was seeing a lot of people posting like my kids in the school and I'm glad that they're doing this. Totally. Because the Teachers are fighting for our, our kids. Like it feels like people are coming around to the idea more that teachers are striking because they actually care about conditions for the students. Absolutely. I think
2: also like. In particular, um, the reputation of teachers' unions has sort of changed, I think, in the last, like, 10 years. Totally. Like, I can't remember what that movie was, but remember that
1: documentary that came out, like... Waiting for Superman? Was that it? it? I
2: think it was Waiting for Superman, yeah. And it was, like, it was sort of posited as, like, this progressive documentary about Uh education, but it was really, really negative about teachers' unions. Basically like purporting this idea that teachers unions uh, protect incompetent teachers Mm -hmm. and like keep incompetent teachers teaching as opposed to teachers unions keep teachers able to survive on the, like on their salaries. Yeah. But I, but I think, and I think that that movie, like, I remember when it came out, like the rep of teachers unions seemed to really take a hit, but it seems like it is sort of come back and people are now a lot more, um, like unequivocally supportive of strikes and things like that. And more skeptical of the, like the anti-teacher union stuff. It's a lot of like teach for America type people, which is like funded by the Waltons of Walmart, like seems woke, but is actually like pretty Mm -hmm. terrible. Like things like that. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. It seems like it's getting a little better.
1: I mean, the biggest barrier for talented teachers and people who would be amazing teachers Uh, becoming and staying teachers is low salaries and not enough benefits. And another reason why teacher burnout is so high is because they don't, a lot of times don't get the resources and support that they need. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. There's some areas like San Francisco is having a hard time filling all their teaching positions because the people, people can't afford to live in San Francisco on a teacher's salary. How can you be a public school teacher in San Francisco? Like it's, it's
2: baffling and it's also like, you know, there are these cuts to public school funding because there's cuts, tax cuts for Republicans or, you know, tax cuts for, the, for wealthy people. It cuts into the tax base. And I think it's that like people, this is true of sort of most non-military <laughs> taxation, but it's especially true of education. I think that wealthy people don't see it as in their interest because they're like well my kids go to private school Absolutely. why do i have to pay for this and it's like because you don't want a society of uneducated people
0: like Yeah but Republicans do because yeah. if you read about what they're doing uh, it's yeah. very bad <laughs> it's, i
2: mean it is in their intellectual interest to have an uneducated populace but as far as like if you want a society to, people, to work like yeah. you can't have like massive, uh, education deficit, So and that, people yeah. don't understand that.
1: So that's a really interesting point because actually, um, at the conclusion of the Arizona teacher strike, uh, the legislature passed, uh, instead of raising taxes to pay for the higher salary. And by the way, the Arizona teachers didn't get everything that they wanted. Um, but to restore some of the funding to public schools, they didn't increase taxes. The legislature passed a fee on motorists and shifted most of the cost of desegregating schools from uh, the state to taxpayers in low-income school districts. Mm-hmm. And those levies will largely hit working and middle-class households. So Arizona really found uh, a you know a fun way to f- continue fucking
0: being arizona
1: yeah, yeah. being arizona yeah. yeah
2: i mean that like that is something to keep in mind when you like read about this stuff is like a tax on motorists is a regressive tax absolutely plan. like it is like th- one of the most regressive ways of taxing people without coming right out and saying you're making poor people pay
1: more <laughs> like, so um in, this is like this is one of the ways that republicans um do things without raising taxes is they just have a lot of fees. yeah. And that's exactly what Mitt Romney did when he was governor of Massachusetts and, like, quote, balanced the budget there. He just, he didn't raise, he says, like, I did did it without raising taxes, but he just raised fees everywhere. Um, And and everyone
2: has to pay the same fee, regardless of how much money they are, guess who gets fucked? People exactly. money.
1: Exactly. So we had more strikes in 2018. The Marriott workers, 6,000 workers in four states. um, And Uh, in January, 2019, as we talked about the LA public schools, uh, teachers went on strike February, 2019, the Denver, Colorado teachers went on strike and the Oakland, California teachers went on strike. And so it's just been, it's a very, it's, this is a huge message. I think like people are, there's a lot of unrest and I think it, it shows, that the economy is... It's maybe the most demonstrative example of how the economy is not working for everyone. It's only working for a few people.
0: I mean, that is absolutely true. I think one thing that is... Notable in addition, in the specific case of teachers, is that this is very gendered. Like part oh, of the reason totally. that teachers mm-hmm. don't make teachers more money is teachers yeah. and nurses because people think it's a girl job. Mm-hmm. It was designed to be a supplemental income, and so Absolutely. you know, especially in like um non higher education contexts, yes.
2: like not that not the professors have it any better. I mean, there's all of these battles about adjuncts and stuff like that. But in particular, like public school, like K through 12, also is like yeah, a girl
1: job, pre K and K teachers make. Nothing. Yeah. And it's like
2: I, it's really crucial to have a good teacher at that age. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And these are the people that you're trusting with your children. I don't understand how you can be okay with them not making a living wage.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's not good. This is one of those intersections of uh sexism and classism that we love to get robbed <laughs> up about on this pod. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Um but as someone who, as I've said a million times, I'm trash from Massachusetts. I was very riled up by the stop and shop strike uh, this year. Stop and shop is actually one of the only unionized grocery chains. um, And it was the largest private sector strike in U.S. history. 31,000 employees across 240 stores in New England went on strike in April and it lasted 11 days Stop and shop wanted to cut benefits and make employees pay more out of pocket, which again is a through line through all these strikes, um, which would decrease pay despite the fact that the company's profits were larger than ever. The company is worth $44 billion and made millions more because of the Trump administration's tax cuts. So they're not like, again, this is what we see with unions. Most of the time is the institution that, um, the management institution is nickel and diming them when they're worth billions of dollars. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Um, one thing I'm, I'm sorry to change the subject. I don't know if you're going to get to this, but, uh, the, do you know about the, the coal mining blockade in Kentucky right now? I don't know. Oh, uh, it's really interesting. So, um, yeah, in, uh, in Kentucky, in Harlan County, which is like, uh, have you ever seen Harlan County, USA? I have not. It's a documentary. It's great. It's about oh. a, a labor strike. Um, oh. But so Harlan County is like, if you've ever seen Justified, that's where it's based. It's like hill country, Kentucky, okay. mining country, like at, Appalachia stuff. Um, there, It's all coal mining. Like that's what's, the industry has been there for like 100 years. And um, like a lot of people work, work in the mines there and all the mines are owned by these big, um, you know, like corporations that are Mm -hmm. headquartered elsewhere and they mine and you know all those people get fucked there's lots of poverty there's lots of health problems you get when you work in a mine (laughs) like crazy you know it's it's coal (laughs) country so um this company uh i think they're called black jewel i don't i'm like not great on the specifics but basically this company that employed all these people went out of business and in the as a result of going out of business, they owe all of these miners like thousands of dollars of back pay that they mm-hmm. didn't pay. So the miners uh decided to stage a blockade on the railroad that this company was trucking coal out of and are camping out on the railroad tracks and saying, We're not gonna let you have the coal until you pay us. And they've it's been a blockade for like a month. And uh they're still there. There it's you know, like Fucking run us over, like we're yeah. you know holding this coal hostage because this company won't pay them. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting. There's a good um podcast with some interviews of those people. Uh, if you ever heard of the Trillbillies, Billies, they're yes. like a Kentucky based yeah. leftist podcast. They did a whole thing about um, it's called like the voices of the Harlan County Miner Strike or something. Um, but yeah, they're still striking. It's Labor Day. I just wanted to point that out. Like, read about that. If you live in the area, or there's anything you can do to like support those people, they're heroes. Like they're the troops. Absolutely, they're, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> they
0: kick ass. And it's so fucked up too. Like on an additional level, because I feel like the Republican Party has like leveraged coal miners so many times. Yeah, it's like oh yeah, there's this, this group of people that we need to help, and like you know we can't have any uh, environmental regulations because of coal miners, and we can't, you know, yeah. Yeah, no. We we can't stop racism because of coal miners. And it's like, okay, here's your opportunity to help coal miners. Are you going to take it or not? Right. No, I know.
2: And the people who work in coal mines, for the most part, are not like, I only want to work in coal mines. Yeah. They're just like, please give me a job. Yeah. Like, if you want me to work at a wind farm, great. Like, that's also fine. Yeah. doesn't matter. The idea that we couldn't
1: kind of pivot union jobs that were formerly like coal and oil and gas to union like environmental technology jobs or like environment, like any, any jobs in the environmental sector, I think is mistaken. It's it's wild. But Kath, you have a specific area of expertise that I want to talk <laughs> about. Um, and that is wrestling.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Professional yeah, yeah.
1: wrestling. Um, could
0: resident you resident leftist, <laughs> feminist wrestling, wrestling Expert. podcast, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um we have something for everyone here um all of our all of our brothers and bernie um but can you talk to us a little because uh about the the professional wrestling's relationship to unions
2: yeah so um yeah i'm a i'm a big fan of professional wrestling i until recently i did a podcast about it called wrestlesplania that uh all the episodes are still up so if you're interested in like a leftist feminist perspective on pro wrestling check that out um but yeah, so you know, we're comedians, we're performers. Uh, we, comedians, are in sort of a weird position, labor-wise, um, because we're generally freelancers. But then, if we get successful enough, we can like join SAG or the WGA, depending right. on what we do. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel a lot of affinity toward people in the professional wrestling world because they're. A, a, their sort of weird, sketchy labor position with regard to the work they do is sort of similar, except they're getting fucked way worse than us. It's right. pretty much totally. what it is. So um professional wrestling in the United States is pretty much um a monopoly. And you could do an entire episode about just this because it's it's fascinating and weird. Um but the so wrestling, pro wrestling in the United States is basically controlled by the WWE, formerly WWF. World Wrestling Entertainment, Vince McMahon, all that stuff. If that is all familiar to you, that is they own everything. So basically, the only way you can make a reliable living as a professional wrestler in the United States at this point, things are sort of changing, but again, that's a whole other story. Um, But for the last 20 years, the only way you could really make any money wrestling was to work for this company, this WWE, who are pretty evil. Even outside of their labor position, um... They do shows with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Uh, Vince McMahon's wife, Linda McMahon, was in the Trump administration Mm -hmm. until recently. They're bad people. Um, And they're a bad company. But they're especially bad with regard to the people that they, quote-unquote, employ. Because um, they have a, a roster of, like, probably 200 wrestlers. Like, they have a really big roster of people who... Um, who wrestle professionally and it's an incredibly dangerous job. Um, totally. Even though it's quote unquote fake, like injuries are incredibly common. Uh, it, it is incredibly taxing to your body. Um, there are still issues. A lot of concussions
1: too. Yeah.
2: I was, I was just going to say like things have gotten a little better, but there are still a lot of issues with CTE with long-term sort of spinal and neck damage and brain damage. Um, obviously there's like the Chris Benoit thing, like a dude, fell on his head too much and then murdered his family. Like, it's... You know, I'll say it.
1: Wrestlers have a harder job than comedians. <laughs> they do. They 100% do. And they are paid worse. Yeah. Which is wild to think That's about.
2: amazing. Isn't that crazy? I, I,
1: I never think anyone's paid less than we are. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's astonishing. Like, at the WWE level, they get paid okay. But, I mean, and I'm going to get into it, but like indie wrestling, which is what... Um, there's a whole sort of wrestling industry outside of the WWE, but they make very 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 little money Mm -hmm. almost all of them have day jobs um and so not only do they not get paid as well as we do they also drive for like dozens of hours to every gig which is insane like and they're hurting themselves
1: like yeah that's crazy
2: after i started getting into wrestling i like stopped complaining about (laughs) like (laughs) how shitty comedy is but but anyway yeah so wwe um has like you know several hundred people that they employ to wrestle um but I say employ, however, none of these people are technically considered employees of this company. So this company rakes in, I think they're a billion dollar company, at least hundreds of millions of dollars. And um, they don't have to provide the type of coverage that one would have to provide for full time employees for their wrestlers, which means these people that are putting their bodies on the line uh, constantly, uh, do not have health insurance. They are paid generally on a per show basis. Um, a lot of them have a a downside, which is like a guaranteed minimum, um, of money that you make, even if you don't wrestle, but it's still incredibly precarious. Um, they like, there's no guarantee that they'll pay for your rehab. If you, if you get injured, I mean, a lot of times they will, but like, this is not written into any kind of contract. Right. Um, Their contracts are basically legally unenforceable. Like they're pretty it's pretty much illegal to do this, but they're such a big company and wrestling is such a um sort of insular world that um nobody wants to go up against them and and sue or take it to court or anything because like you would you would be completely finished as as a
1: wrestler. Um and I did just look it up and as of this year the WWE is worth $5.71 $5.71 billion dollars yes. as a company. So yeah, not strapped for cash.
2: Not strapped for cash. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, and not only are these people not employees, the amount that they work is really unbelievable. So it's not even a, se- a thing of like, oh, well, you know, they're not employees, but they only work X hours a week. These people are on the road. Wrestling doesn't have an off season. It, isn't, it is year round. And WWE does like five or six shows a week. And granted, not every single person wrestles on every single show, but the majority of their roster is wrestling, doing this incredibly dangerous, incredibly athletically demanding thing, like four times a week, mm-hmm. year round, mm-hmm. like hundreds of shows a year for this company, and they are not considered employees, and they do not have a union. Um, they're on television. They are, some for some reason, not eligible for SAG, which I think is crazy. That's weird. That's yeah. That's
1: like how... Um, writers on animated series are not eligible for the WGA. That's which wild. Is I had so, no idea. Yeah,
2: yeah. There's just like specific things, and I think, I think with wrestling, part of it is that um, it comes from this like weird carny world, um, and and there's a lot of sort of secrecy and pride in that. Like it's a very sort of close knit industry, but. It's also because people don't respect it as yeah. like people don't it's it sort of stuck between two worlds, right? Because like people don't think it's a real sport because it's fixed, you know, it's, yeah. it, it's a performance, but you're still incurring all of the risks that you would be incurring as a if it were athlete. a quote unquote yeah. real sport. Yeah, yeah. You're a professional athlete. So it's like, it's fake, but at the same time, it's also not considered acting. Yeah. So you're sort of stuck between these two regulatory bodies. Like it doesn't have the regulatory bodies that sports do. It doesn't have the regulatory bodies that, uh, a regular television show would have. So, um, wrestlers have sort of tried to unionize in the past. In the eighties, there was talk of, um, WWE wrestlers perhaps unionizing. Um, and funnily enough, noted piece of shit Hulk Hogan (laughs) uh, ended up kind of snitching on them to Vince McMahon and a lot. I don't know a ton about the story, but the way it has been told to me is that Hulk Hogan is a scab and the reason that wrestlers don't have a union, which is very funny because he's just a piece of shit in
1: so many other ways. I've never been less surprised by anything in my life.
2: (laughs) And uh, And we were talking before we recorded about how there's kind of some, again, some parallels with stand up where, uh, stand-up comedians tried to unionize in LA in the late 70s I believe yeah, yeah. and uh, Jay Leno is the reason that it didn't work out Jay Leno snitched so yeah, Jay there's Leno
1: a, and Hulk Hogan a
0: lot in common yeah there's a lot of comedians that still like really hate him like people that were other people that were around at that time yeah I can't mad believe him.
1: that someone who wears as many denim jumpsuits as Jay <laughs> right? Leno is an enemy of workers right
0: I think
2: that it's my- stolen valor he should not be able to wear that jumpsuit <laughs> Yeah,
0: my, really my dad, and I think a lot of men like him, uh, idolize Jay Leno. And here's why. I think that he imagines that Jay Leno can look like that and be that nerdy and still have a cool life that includes Ugh. lots of cars and babes. Yeah. Babes. Um, and I think it is his mediocrity that makes him appealing to people. Uh, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Yeah.
1: I grew up in a Letterman household. I can't relate. Oh, Letterman <laughs> was
0: so much better. So much better. Yeah. Yeah
2: yeah but uh yeah so that's like wwe is really the the driver of this because they control so much and because like it is literally your only option if you want to make money in this industry so um like they're kind of in charge and then it it trickles down to everybody else these sort of policies um granted like there's so little money outside of wwe that like it, it kind of wouldn't make sense for people to be considered employees or or unionized of like one particular company because you have to work for a bunch of different companies in order to, to make a living. Um, that's the other thing that as someone who works in entertainment I find really egregious about WWE is not only are these – these people are considered freelancers, but they also sign non-competes, which is like you can't do that. That should be <laughs> – fully illegal. Yeah. I mean, and it it is like, I I think it would be completely unenforceable if anybody brought it
1: to to court, but no one will. Um, these contracts are like made on napkins. I'm assuming I,
2: yeah, uh, it's, it's wild to me because like, that's the whole thing with comedy. Like I'm in a position in my career where like, I take a lot of non-union work, um, because that's what's being offered to me and it pays. But the condition of that work is that, you can work other places like that's the whole point you you you're a contract worker you're hired out for the day Mm -hmm. or whatever um and you know like when you do union stuff you get paid union scale or whatever and you get the same protections which is great but like yeah you can't you you can't say you're not an employee but you also can't work anywhere right that's not (laughs) that's not allowed
0: One thing that I was thinking about, Julia, when you suggested this topic, um, is the 2016 election and like all of the stupid reasons people gave for why Hillary Clinton lost that election and you know people were like oh it's because trans people wanted to go to the bathroom and it's because of like <laughs> Susan
1: Sarandon or it's w- because fight song sucks yeah well
0: what I was gonna say is I think this is, I think like like I'm the person who thought of this no <laughs> um, <laughs> one thing original dev- idea you're yeah. hearing in copyright <laughs> one, thing she will did, one thing that played a huge part was uh, the decline in union membership um, in uh, between 1978 in 2017, union membership fell by half. Mm -hmm. And a lot of states have passed right-to-work laws that are designed to kill unions. And what a right-to-work law is, it's similar phrasing to how uh, Republicans will call being anti-abortion pro-life. Or like it's very the, the Patriot Act. Yeah, um, it's basically yeah, it's, like it's if you up.
2: have a job, you are ineligible for um it like it, social benefits. It, right? effectively,
0: it, it
1: effectively kneecaps unions. Well, it's so like, what it is yeah. is like
0: unions. Um, if there's a union uh, in states without a right to work law, they can basically require as like as part of their contract. Um, negotiations, they can require everyone who benefits from their negotiations to to pay pay dues. dues. So, Mm -hmm. for example, like if the union has negotiated excellent health insurance, all the employees that get that health insurance, it's not just the people who pay dues. Um, You know, so the idea is that everybody contributes a little bit. And, you know, it's like it's you know, it, it can be like hard for people who aren't making a lot of money to have to spend additional money on anything but like the idea is that there have been so many benefits that come from being in the union that it's really really worth it you know and so um
1: i know every union is different but the union that i've been in for the last two years our union dues are like 30 dollars a month
0: yeah it's not it's a very lot reasonable but the thing is is like it's just designed to like As you said, kneecap unions so that people like many people will opt out until the union like has, you know, no money and no power and stuff. And uh, so you're saying the right to work law makes that basically makes it makes it legal, makes it so that unions can't negotiate contracts that require everyone to pay dues. Got it. Yeah. And uh, 26 states have them right now, including Michigan and Wisconsin. Okay, so union membership has declined really deeply in all of these yeah. right to work states um texas, texas is one right yeah texas yeah. is one and so the thing is is like one thing that unions have historically done is uh really mobilize their members to vote for the democratic party um and that's because the democratic party has historically been more supportive of unions although there's been a lot of examples in recent cases yeah. where they just really did not step up to take the opportunity or really even did things that harm unions. But like the democratic party has historically
1: was has, more, yeah, you know, discounting the last, 30 years or so. Yeah,
0: and, but I mean, the way that the Democratic Party has abandoned their commitment to yeah, it's unions huge. in the past 30 years could arguably be one of the biggest reasons that we have Trump in office right now. I've,
1: no, I've also thought that since 2016 was it's no surprise that a lot of the states where there used to be organized labor strongholds went for Trump in 2016. And I I honestly think the one of the best pathways to the white house for 2020 is pro labor candidate.
2: I mean that like, that's sort of the whole guiding principle of Marxism, right? Is that like the one leverage that the proletariat has over yo proletariat (laughs) over the, the capitalist bourgeoisie class is that we, we are workers like that is our value to them. So like, that has to be the way that we leverage our value to get them to do what we want because Mm -hmm. they don't have anything without us. Like we're the people that generate value for them. And like of all of the sort of identities that you can organize around, that's the one that really allows you to put pressure on those people. Absolutely.
1: Um, And now union membership is up and support for unions is up. And I think it's like, as we're seeing with all the strikes, it's like, this is... uh, a really opportune moment for workers right now. I, I
2: hope so. I yeah. mean, it's, it's hard cause it's like, it's encouraging, but it's also the reason it's happening is because of how dire things Absolutely. are. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, like I was asking about Texas because I, I lived in Texas for seven years and I was a public employee and a member of a public employees union there. And, um, they like, even, I mean, union membership is pretty low across the country even mm-hmm. still, but moving from Texas to New York, like it is so apparent That unions have more power here because like I I looked at, I remember looking it up and I think something like Texas is a huge state and there's a lot of industry there. And I think I read something like 2% of uh, employees in Texas are in a union and like this is oil country. This is like, you know, there are a lot of jobs in Texas that could really benefit from a union. Um, but yeah. And so like, I was a member of this public employees union, primarily just because I believe in unions, not because it really did anything for me because they had no power. They were completely toothless. And I have no idea how many of my, um, fellow employees were members because it was like, you kind of weren't supposed to talk about it because it was antagonist to, you know, the bosses. So it, it wasn't something you were like really encouraged to discuss at work. Because unions were sort of a you know a taboo topic, um, and and it's just like it's very different here. I I just feel like when I am like seeing people working like you know construction jobs here, like kind of the public public works type projects here, it's just a lot different. The quality of like their work time seems to be much different yeah um not that those jobs are easy like those people are still being exploited but it's it's just a very different vibe than like in texas mm-hmm. for
0: sure all right kath it has been a pleasure to have you on the show uh, Thank you for having that me. sounds so professional but really <laughs> we are friends and we make fun of boners um yeah that'll be a different episode yeah, <laughs> women should unionize, as Julia has pointed out in one of her my favorite of her tweets. Um, yeah,
1: that um, straight women should unionize and demand better conditions.
0: When he, one of my i t- i told you about this earlier, but one of my male friends said to me, he was like. Uh, yeah, I bet the men that are attracted to you are are, are men who really want to be dominated. You know, like the kind of men who really want to feel like afraid of a woman. And I was just like, I wish that I could organize a strike of all women against you uh, so that no I one would ever like- sleep with you again until you issue a formal apology for this comment. I
2: feel like he really overplayed his hand and didn't realize how much he was projecting by saying that. It's like, I feel like probably it's men who w- who want to be afraid of women. It's like, oh, you're saying you're afraid of me. Yeah, You're a, yeah. You're a, a baby. You're yeah, I was like, a- yeah, Fucking you know,
1: you know the, o- <laughs> the only men who have ever told me that I'm like, quote, intimidating or like overly opinionated or something like that are like weak-ass bitch dudes. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Every man who is like secure and worth his salt thinks that I'm fine and maybe a little too <laughs> repressed. This man has at
0: least... I would say a hundred pounds on me. Yeah, I would say he has. Oh probably, yeah, no, he's I would a, say he has hundred pounds on a me. Very, it is uh, ridiculous that he is afraid of me. He's a he's, <laughs> a, he's, a,
1: he's a tall boy, uh, you know. Um, the
0: last the last boy I dated, different man. He was he was a very he was a very small man he was like had a a very he was just like a a slight person very gentle very gentle did not fear me at all (laughs) (laughs) there's nothing to be afraid of
1: and if we've learned anything on today's episode it's that yes
0: (laughs) all right so cats where can we find you
2: yeah um i have two podcasts uh one of them is a I guess I would say it's a topical podcast, but we only talk about the dumbest news stories possible. So, still topical. It's topical, but if you want (laughs) to, if you want to, you know not get sad about unions after you listen to this you want to like bring yourself up a little bit check out what a time to be alive it's mostly about animals getting loose in places animals aren't supposed to be it's very fun <laughs> that's so cute <laughs> um and then yeah my other podcast is called lie cheat and steal and it's stories of liars frauds thieves and bullshitters so a true crime podcast but without murder it's more about scams
1: and stuff like that Ooh, so i love it i love a grift it makes yeah.
0: grifts make me horny love man. a grift I, yeah. i'm
1: like fascinated by grifts. oh i did start listening to the dream by the way it's it's so per, good per it's really good yeah, rec- yeah Jay, uh, of Jane marie
0: followed me on twitter so i'm really wow. hoping that she would call into our podcast <laughs> Jane marie <laughs> yeah. if you're listening to our dream guest please be on the show <laughs> really, lo- really love really yeah. love the show also
2: if you like uh pyramid schemes or grifts this is not something i'm involved with but uh check out the new kirsten dunst show on becoming a yes. god florida it's really good it's about pyramid schemes uh and she's great in it um yeah i also do stand up uh i'm kath barbadoro on twitter that's b-a-r-b-a-d-o-r-o i put dates on there i'm going to be in la in uh mid late september if you live in la check me out and uh
1: thank you guys so much for having me this thank you thank you so much much, anytime happy labor day everybody Happy labor day organize your workplace Thank you so much for listening to Reply Guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. Uh, the show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at OJuliaTweets, O H. Julia tweets, and Twitter is where you can also find our Reply Guys. They
0: are always with us. Bernie, take us out.
2: As I went walking that ribbon of highway, I saw above me that endless skyway. I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land. This land is mine.